0: Business of Property podcast. I'm Simon. I'm Stuart. We're both property people running our own businesses. This podcast is just us chatting, as we often do, about anything and everything property. Last week, we talked a bit about what we might get out of property and what we particularly were trying to get out of property and when we got started, and a little bit of what we look for now. And this week, I think we're going to look a little bit about what we put into our property processes and our property businesses. This is a bit of of time and knowledge and experience, but also the the money and the, the capital side of things and perhaps utilizing other people's money or experience or time. So using external investors or Having built a a team that can provide experience and effort into the processes that we then then employ in our property businesses, I think first of all, let's put you on the spot, Stuart, seeing as I did the intro i I get the uh the chance to do this thankfully Damn. Um, <laughs> what What do you think is your balance between all of those different factors that i I just mentioned that you you put into your business and I wonder if it might be worth looking at this from sort of two time points, one when you first got started and another one sort of now-ish.
1: Yeah, well, it's funny because, well, it's not funny because obviously as we think about and we talk about this, I was thinking about the property investment cycle. And for me, it's been quite linear. So when I think about how I've gone into property and back at the beginning so we 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 owned a an an investment property that my wife used to own as many of us do it's we we were the accidental landlords we we owned two properties we moved in together and then we therefore had a had a had a rental property before i started investing i think i was concerned about what was involved not just in terms of and, and this is lines of what we're talking about in terms of how much time it was going to take me and what the real costs were going to be so my first toe in the water if you like was a very small flat it was was my first true what I would call investment purchase which we still have at the moment and that required very little time from me because it was it was already a a refurbished property it just happened that the that the owner needed to get rid of it quite quickly which meant we could negotiate quite well on price but it required very little input from me i i went to view it once was happy with it bought it got someone in that that was back then nearly 5 years well yeah it was 5 years ago versus now you know we look at 13 beds double freeholds we've been looking at commercial properties with potentially up to 15 beds but converting them so there's been a to your point, there's been quite a journey in the last five years to get from buying a single one-bed flat to looking at commercial premises that we would have to fully fully refurbish and, and rip out and so on. So w- would
0: I be right in suggesting that over that time, the sort of changes to your input have mostly been knowledge and team? Are you perhaps putting in a little bit more of your own time as well? Or how do you think the,
1: the the scales have moved? Definitely requires more of my time. Definitely requires more of my time. And I think more knowledge too. Obviously, the knowledge grows. You and I have talked about this before, and I'm definitely of the camp where I think the best knowledge comes through doing, yet we want to... To mitigate as much of the risk, we want to minimise as many of the problems that could happen through knowledge, and I think that's what makes a lot of us nervous in and around property, particularly when we're new. And certainly, sort of speaking from my own experiences, and I think this is why property courses and property training does so well because, well, a, we think I must be missing out on the the magic ingredient that means I can generate a million pounds tomorrow, and number two is I really don't want to make. A mistake that's going to cost me money or mean that i buy a property in the wrong area because that's that's probably if i think about my fears is when i was starting out and a lot of people and i've received messages numerous several messages around location and i think a lot of people get nervous around am i going to buy this in the in the right location and i know i'm probably stepping over into our other topics i won't go too far into that yet but i think that That experience for me comes from doing, and doing means walking the streets. It means looking at the properties, getting to know the area, and then biting the bullet and and buying that property. I'm fortunate that the first flat I bought. If I had the option again, I would buy it again. But I did actually start going through a conveyancing process of one property, one small, very small flat, which I pulled out of in the end, and. And I look back on that and I think that was just fortuitous. I mean, I was I was basing it on very little knowledge. But if I could go back in time and, and have that offer again, I'd definitely pull out again for, for a number of reasons. So I think just topics we're talking about today, that experience will only come through doing. And before we do, then I guess we need to work with others and speak with others to get that knowledge. But back to the point. Uh, my time has increased because I do more research on the properties that we're going to buy because we are looking at how we develop them. So, we're, before I was just looking at almost oven ready. That's the phrase of the day. <laughs> and I know you love that one. <laughs> okay. Out, out of the box. Out of the box.
0: This is not a video cast. So, people cannot see my. Uh... My disgust.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) My expression, holding my head in my hands. But uh, but yes, anyway.
1: (laughs) Let's say ready made. So uh, before the start, would have gone ready made. Now I'm very happy to buy as unready made as possible because we look at the work. So that requires probably more time at the front end, less time at the end. But we do have a, a really, really good team now in terms of building team so they know what they're doing we've obviously done a few projects together so so there's small things where they now understand what we want so that that has limited in terms of money that has increased because the projects we're doing are getting bigger and bigger not necessarily in terms of uh, property uh, type but just in terms of what we're doing to those property although we are looking at bigger so bigger properties so i guess that, that's they're probably the key things, you know, time, cost and money, and that has changed over time. But that's because that's what I've chosen to do. So, as you might expect, really,
0: over over five years, your your property business has grown and developed and improved. So, I, I think you'd be on the wrong podcast, really, if, if your answer to that was no, no, <laughs> we, we, we we haven't really gained any knowledge and uh, <laughs> no at all. <laughs> So, so yeah, I, I think I think you 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 said what what would, we would hope would be said, and uh, it's all all being positive and all going in the right direction. So, I think that all sounds re- really good. Something that, from my point of view, something I haven't really done in, in the same way as you have is I haven't built a a property business per se around that. I've I've built much more of a a property portfolio, perhaps, but might, might be a, another term for it. I started relatively simply in terms of I started with buying my own home slightly bigger than I needed and renting out a lodgers after I'd done some some renovations on it. But after that point, I very much stayed in the, the the simple end of the camp. So I've gradually built my own wealth and put put that investment money back into to future properties. But my time investment has stayed relatively low. My knowledge and experience has definitely grown over the years. I've been through some very educational periods with with properties and with tenants particularly. But um, but I haven't built out very much of a team, certainly not a, a consistent team. So there are, there are people that I use and reuse. So for example, uh, plumbers, gas engineers. I have a couple of specific people in different areas where properties are that I, w- I will keep returning to it and keep using for those but in terms of sort of refurbishments I do those projects so rarely at the moment that I don't have a specific team that I've built out on that I, I have to go and, and sort of assemble a, an appropriate collection of people to do those projects each time I need them so we, we've definitely taken different approaches there and my inputs to new investments now are very similar, actually. I think apart from the, the knowledge and experience, so I still expect to put in in the capital, and I still try to put in relatively minimal time. Although there's there's definitely some, especially since I, I do take on the the management of the properties as well as obviously of the the purchase and initial setup process. I, I don't, I, I say I don't use agents, but that's not 100 percent true. I do in some places and some cases use introduction agents for, for rentals and for some of my properties that are closer to my parents rather than me, they act as, as my agents for, for managing those properties. But going forwards, the, the, properties I'm, the properties I'm planning to purchase and invest in, in the near future, will be ones close to me and they'll be ones that I, I fully self-manage. So in, in that respect, I will be putting in a bit more time
1: do you use agents to market the property?
0: Historically, it's been a mix. I don't, I don't take it sort of fully, personally. I don't go and post it on Gumtree or Facebook or whatever else. The, the, the sort of completely free platforms or very, very nearly free platforms that you can, as an individual, start marketing property. However, I have used um, services like Open Rent and Letting a Property and Upad although I think they've gone out of business now, but, but there are they're, they're a whole handful of similar services where you create the the rental property listing yourself and you, you get the photos done yourself or, or buy them from them through a professional photographer or whatever. And they just do the, the technology part of putting that listing on to Rightmove and Zoopla and wherever else they, they might put it. and And most of those then also sort of triage Responses back from from inquiries, so the the phone calls and the emails and things go through them first, just as a, a sort of first first check to make sure there's actually a, a real person there and that kind of thing. Um, and then from that point on, I would I would pick up the process, talk to the prospective tenant and potentially arrange a range of viewing and that sort of thing. So quite quite how that balance could or will work in current COVID times and indeed the, the near future COVID times, I'm I'm not sure. And I may choose to be slightly
1: less involved in the near future, but we'll see. I haven't quite decided on that yet. Yeah. Um. I don't want to go too deep into it for this topic, but we've we used we've used on two occasions now. Uh, Visum. Have you heard of Visum? V I S U M. Only through you. <laughs> yeah. And that that's really good. And you, essentially, you do everything, but for very low cost. And I think it's very good if you've got a, a property which you know is going to gain quite a lot of interest, but um we digress. <laughs> yeah, I, I think
0: my I can't remember what I did look up the, the pricing for them, but I think uh, if you're wanting to go sort of really budget, I think open rent is probably the cheapest I've seen for for just getting your property on onto the portals. I think that starts at, at thirty or forty quid, something in that that range, as opposed to some of the more expensive ones which are sort of a hundred quidish. But obviously, the, the, the actual level of service you get from them varies as well. Mm. It's not, a, not always a simple uh, cost that you can look at.
1: No. The other, the, other, just the other thing I'm just going to ask you, just when you talk about your experience, because just from a listener perspective, I can hear the question. You, you talk about just buying properties for yourself, and that's kind of stayed the same. Do you buy personal or limited company?
0: So all of my properties currently are personal, and as I'm currently looking to purchase again in the near future this is a topic i have been revisiting and i'm currently erring towards personal again at least for the, for the next one however i'm not 100 certain I, I wonder if I, I, yeah let, let, let's dig into it now why not <laughs> um so i know stuart that you invest through a limited company so i'm assuming you will have some alternative views to this my thinking is using a limited company has lots of extra little costs and i don't necessarily mean monetary costs i also mean sort of effort and hassle costs so let me run through some of the ones i'm aware of on on the money side mortgages tend to be more expensive solicitor fees tend to be more expensive in terms of maintaining a company that the accounting process is a bit more expensive. You you generally need a, an accountant, whereas personal ones you can probably get away with doing yourself. You also have things like company returns and things like that that you have to to pay and maintain. Then getting on to, to sort of some of the hassle things, there are fewer mortgage options out there, um. Although that that's improving, I, I believe, but I, I think there are still still fewer mortgage options. So you you might have. More hassle, more hoops to jump through there. And the actual processes around that. So quite often a mortgage company offering you a mortgage for a, a limited company will also ask for a personal guarantee. So I mean if I'm taking out a mortgage personally, then obviously it's a personal guarantee. That's that's expected. But if you're doing it through a company, you go through the process with the company, but then you also go through the the process of the personal guarantee, which often involves an extra solicitor, I believe. And mm-hmm extra cost and, and effort there and I think there are just a number of little gotchas along the way and, and extra bits and pieces that, that I just fancy avoiding really so so what do you think Stuart a- am I making the right decision should I go for a limited company
1: <laughs> well if anyone says that question I, I can only say well only you know what's right for you <laughs> you can't don't lay it on me.
0: <laughs> we, we should probably also mention very specifically, don't rely on anything we say. <laughs> We're we not professionals in this, this area. Always seek independent advice if you are uncertain. <laughs> but yeah.
1: anyway, so uh, should I use a company, Stuart? <laughs> <laughs> well, my, well it, it sounds like you know your reasons why you wouldn't. So I, I think... Ah,
0: but what are the reasons why I would? So, so, or tell me, what are the reasons why you do?
1: The the big one is of course the um, yeah section twenty four the uh, removal of the interest rate relief from uh, from from personal mortgages so we can no longer take off the mortgage interest as a as an expense which I just find I still to this day can't understand how a government has decided that that is not a cost to the business but let's uh, let's not get into that we've already sailed far away from where we originally planned to, to to talk about. So so for me, that was the big one. I think there's also, and I, I couldn't talk about it with any depth here and now, but in terms of what I want to do with the properties in the future. So if I wanted to sell the portfolio, for example, I only have to think about the company. I don't have to think about each property individually. So I would just sell Lord Pounder Property Limited as a business, which itself will hold X amount of assets and will generate X amount of, uh, of cash flow. And, and that's, that's kind of my key thinking. So the, the key things there are, are really just that interest rate relief. Uh, you, and by the way, you're, you're right on all the things you've, you've said. You're, you're right. I mean, for me, it's been minimal effort. It is a ball ache to, to do a PG, a personal guarantee every time. That needs to be done not everyone has asked for it but 99 percent of them do equally in in the property as well we we get more flexibility around shares so sorting that out in terms of who gets what obviously you know I just uh make sure i own all the shares so my wife gets nothing no obviously not <laughs> but again thinking about legacy how that how it could play out to kids if we went down that route so you're right around cost i think for us you know for me personally i've never done my own books for, for for myself anyway so to get an accountant to do it for the limited company to me is just the next step so that's been absolutely fine what's the other thing but you in terms of setup it's minimal but there are you like as you say there are sort of ongoing costs that incrementally you know, add to to the expenses mm.
0: I, I think the, one of my sort of considerations towards perhaps taking the, the limited company approach was actually just to gain some experience with it <laughs> to see if it, it what what the differences are and what the the extra processes are but i i'm not sure i well i currently i am thinking that that while it would be
1: interesting it is perhaps not not worth the hassle. <laughs> well it, it all depends and I, I hate to say this because it's a standard cliche isn't it but it depends on every individual's personal circumstance tax circumstance what other work you're doing what tax band you're in. For us like for me now with you know the, the company overall we've got it, you will have a close to 50 rooms so it's it's obviously it's not insignificant revenues now. So for me it is a business. The the, the interesting point for me was around Understanding why the government pushed us down this route and it wasn't just for the interest rate relief, it was so that they could capture more of the revenue properly because a lot of people let's just say when you when you uh, move you know you, you can join as partners and you leave a you know you leave a home behind and turn that into a rent not everyone immediately turns that into a, a rental property because we, we, we don't think of it and so on. So I think the the professionalisation of being a landlord, I think, is a good thing. And the reason I think they like them being limited companies is because you do have to do your accounts on an annual basis after your first year or what sort So it pushes people to do that properly, which means that the government can collect what's rightly theirs versus personal. It's very difficult for them to, to manage. And hopefully those that are Getting limited companies are the people that are, are thinking about doing this more seriously anyway. So I think there's also that uh, I want to say immateri- immaterial reasons for doing that as well, not just finance, but also for saying actually this is this is a, a business. But again, that's depending on someone's scale. If you if you only got one or two properties, my view would be do you really want to go? And and in fact, I think I have said that to someone when they said, "Oh, should I go limited company? I said, well, what what are you thinking? And they said, well, I just want to buy one property or two properties. And I said, well, number one, speak to your accountant because he or she will know what you should do for the best. But number two, and I would probably almost repeat what you said. I just said, look, it is a lot of effort if you're only going to do one or two properties. If you're going to scale up, then I would seriously consider it because You've got corporation tax versus X, Y, and Z. And, and for me, that has proved beneficial. And keeping it in the business has proved beneficial. We've definitely, let's say, saved money. We haven't made money, but we've certainly not uh, put as much into taxes as we probably would have, well, as we definitely would have done if they were all in personal names. Yeah, I think, well, I, mean, I don't want to
0: get too into the tax thing because we're not tax experts. But that said, I'm going to talk about tax. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think, just on a very high level, if you own properties personally, you you have this bizarre Section 24 thing where some of your, well, yeah, so some of your expenses aren't actually considered expenses and hence increase your taxable profit even though your actual cash profit is not increased, but anyway. Ridiculous. Yes, indeed. Once you get past that, you're then taxed at your personal tax level, whether that's 20 40 or 45%. I think they're the bands at the moment. Um, and that, that's relatively straightforward. If you've got property in a company, you're currently paying corporation tax, which is 19%, I think, currently. Yeah. It changes for different size companies, actually, but, but probably that. However, that's great for profit that the company makes and stays in the company. But if you then want to get any of that profit out of the company, you'll have to pay yourself a salary or dividends, both of which then get hit by personal tax. Well, after after your minimum amounts and your dividends, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. you get you get your your personal allowances, yes. So you get relatively small amounts for for free without tax. then after that, you then get hit for those those tax bans. So then you're paying nineteen percent corporation tax and you're paying your, your personal tax levels. Of course, the actual money that comes out is a little bit less because you've already paid the corporation tax. So you might not h- hit the higher bands as much and you've got the personal allowances which balance off against this a bit. So it's the calculations are really not simple, but it's not necessarily obvious that you can just say corporation tax 19% Personal tax forty percent or something. Oh yeah. no, definitely not. Yeah, no. and also it depends what you're aiming for because if you're trying to live off your property income, you've got to extract that money from the company. But if this is a side business, you're living off a day job, and your property business is just intended to sit there and grow for your pension in fifty years or something, then you might never need to take money out of that company, at least not in the short term. And hence, that second bit of tax, or the, the personal tax, you might just not pay, and then you'd only have the nineteen percent corporation tax. And then, to co- further confuse things, we've got capital gains tax. So, in a, in a personal world, that's what are the two bands? Eighteen and twenty-eight percent on property, is that? It Sounds about right. Yeah. Don't know. don't quote me. But anyway, um, it's a good job no one's listening. So you've got that on personal tax, but then in a company, again, there is no corporate. So there is no capital gains tax. It's all corporation tax. So then it's just nineteen percent, as opposed to potentially the twenty-eight percent. However, again, in the personal land, you get personal allowances, so you get a, a chunk tax-free each year. And in the corporation, you don't. It's it's all taxed. So again, you've got got complications balancing out between those and. Yeah, to try and work out which is actually better. And that's before you even get into the the idea of the company needing money in the first place to actually buy the property. So then if you put cash in, you've probably done that as a a director's loan. So then you might be able to take that money out without paying tax, at least until that money has all come out. And then there's also if you've already got property and you're considering transferring it into a company, that's another whole host of complications and almost certainly involves capital gains tax on the personal side and then stamp duty on the company side for for purchasing the property
1: oh my goodness I've got to stop talking <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, yeah I, I think there's, there's there's lots of complications to it and my gut feeling is that most people would would probably not benefit from putting it into a limited company uh, depending on their their rationales. The, the other thing that I just wanted to pick up with was you, you talked about transferring. So I have looked at that because we've got several properties in a limited company and we've got a few properties in personal names. So really just because the way my brain works, I just wanted to simplify what we had and just put it all into one element really. So I, I did look at this to some degree. And the other thing I think we, we all need to remember is that every profession whether it's ourselves, whether it's solicitors, whether it's accountants, whether it's estate agents, whoever's in that chain, there is always going to be an inherent bias, whether it's known or not, to, to generate business for oneself. And what I mean by this is that when we speak with tax experts or, or accountants, they're not going to want to turn work down if it's significant. And I've looked at the transference of personal assets into the limited company. And again, I have a lot of faith in the tax accountancy people that I've I've worked with. Some of them are, are brilliant people in terms of, of, of highlighting things to my business. But on this occasion, although it looked like a good idea and the proposal was, yep, yeah, we can do this. It's absolutely fine. It's only going to take two years. When push came to shove and I put all the numbers in my little spreadsheet, what I realized was that the by the time I'd paid for the fees for accountants to uh, and the tax specialists to make it happen, the savings I would have made would have brought me out at a net potential, potential net £2,000. And this would have been for t- about two years work, no doubt a crap load of paperwork. And I just thought, Do you know what, for two grand, I think we'll park it and we'll, we'll move on. And I'll just leave them in personal name. So I think Everyone has to look at each situation on its own merits and for your own personal bias. For me, uh, you know, I've just explained why limited companies is good for us and we we still want to grow and I want to have that company. But that doesn't mean it's the right size for everybody. You know, there's not a one size fits all solution.
0: Yeah, I think that's very, very true. There are just so many factors to consider. It's a minefield. And even if you seek, professional advice as you say it's not always unbiased and it's it's something you have to sit down and try to get through yourself i think to yeah make your own decision ultimately yeah
1: And I want to go at pains to say that's not me being... I'm not denigrating any of the professions because hand on heart, some of the accountancy tax advice I've received in the last six months has generated given me not only significant savings but put money back into my bank account. So, you know, the, the proper true specialists are worth their weight in gold the point is you still have to look at each situation on its own merits for you personally because someone else may have looked and said you know I I will still progress and put these into limited companies because even though it's only a a net two thousand pounds which to be honest is negligible if we look at it over two years it still might have been the right thing however for me the upfront accountancy fees or, or tax fees to do that just just aren't right for right now. So it's, it's just to put that on it, really. Just make sure you look at it for yourself if, you do, if you're going down that road. Yeah, exactly. And on that particular point as well of the transferring properties to companies,
0: there can be some very large early expenses in the process. So, for example, you, you might have to pay taxes quite early on in that process before you've realized any of the savings later on. So, uh, so yeah, there, there are definitely lots of factors to consider. And I'm—I still haven't 100% decided whether I'm going to purchase my next property in in, a, in personal names or in in a limited company. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think I am still erring towards personal. But uh, but we, we shall see. I shall update everyone.
1: Yeah. Well, obviously you'll you'll speak with your your friendly accountant and um, s*** out of it.
0: I'd stop listening just for a moment to cough there, but I think you you've made me go and get out the the bleep. Nothing again, <laughs> <you>? <laughs> oh dear. Right, well, we are past time despite the fact that we haven't covered several of the things we were planning to talk about. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I distracted us talking about tax, which is never a good idea. But anyway, nice. so thank you very much for listening, and please do get in touch if you have any questions that have cropped up during. Uh, what Stuart and I have been talking about. If there's something that we've we've covered and you'd like to expose a different angle on, or if there's something we specifically haven't covered that you'd you'd like us to to chat about, please do get in touch. You can do that through the website, which is also where you'll find the show notes, and that is at thebusinessofproperty.com. And we will talk to you again next week.